I watch movies like like Nomadland is a really great example of something that's like obviously it's produced and it looks beautiful, but it doesn't feel like it's not real oh, life. That's a great example. Yeah. But if Nomadland had a fucking studio desk with a neon sign in the background <laughs> and she's like, "What's up, guys? Today I got I'm in the van and I think I'm gonna go apply for some jobs." So. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see what happens. I ran into some crazy characters today. But I'll tell you about that at the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to Friends with Benedicts. Breakfast around the world. (laughs) Unless this turns out to be episode one. (laughs) Yeah, it might be. (laughs) Whatever episode this is, we still don't really know what our mission is. We still don't really know how we're doing this or what the format is. But we're doing it, and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we are doing an impromptu recording at Jake's house. Um, and the only reason I'm even here is because my car broke down. Uh, I was supposed to be in Denver for just like a day and a night, and it's turned into a day and a night and a day and a night. <laughs> and now we're on day, the next day. Man. Yeah, actually, should I just tell the story because it's pretty good? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so the story is I was coming for some other business, was basically trying to avoid Jake while I was out here, <laughs> but fate had other plans because I I parked at a coffee shop. Actually, we met up at a coffee shop, so there's already a plot hole, but True. we parked at a coffee shop, met up for a little bit, um, talked about... Um, potentially recording a podcast somewhere down the road someday. (laughs) And then when I was leaving the coffee shop, my car started making a horrible noise just out of nowhere. So I went on the Facebook group for my car ownership uh, crew and they were like, oh, there's a really good shop on Larimer Street. And I looked and it was direct, it was literally attached to the coffee shop we were at. (laughs) So I was like, oh, sweet. So I go in and I talk to the guys. I'm like, hey boys, I'm in, I'm in some big trouble. I need help. Like I, like, I don't know what to do, and I really need to get back as soon as possible back home, which is four hours away. And they're like, sorry, man, we're like booked out for the rest of the month. And I was like, rats. <laughs> and then they're like, well, what's wrong? Like, maybe we can do it. Maybe we can help you like really quick. And I was like, well, I don't know what's wrong. My car is making this horrible noise. It's a Toyota Hi-Ace. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say Toyota Hi-Ace? He's like, if you have a Japanese van, you can park it right here. You're first in line. No questions asked. That's so amazing. And so I felt, I was like really stoked. And I was like, oh, sweet. Well, hopefully it's going to be something easy. And it'll just be like, well, now we're on day three. And I've like derailed their whole schedule. Yeah. Well, and didn't they just basically like adopt you as a delivery boy that day? Yeah. Well, they were like, well, we need some help with some things. Um and since you're like kind of stranded, like here's our truck, <laughs> like go to this address and pick up pick up this axle and go pick up this part over at this <laughs> shop. And it's funny because I don't really belong in this world. Let me tell you, <laughs> everyone is everyone is like so manly and strong, and I don't know anything about cars. And so even when I was doing like these runs, I had to go into like like I went to a um I don't know like. A transmission shop and I and they gave me all of the parts and all the numbers and I was like yeah I need a like blah 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 it's a 2.15 inch like blah 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 and the guy's like oh front or rear and I'm like I don't know uh, man. <laughs> so I got a job that's awesome I mean first of all I think you know way more than you give yourself credit for because you've you've put some work into that thing but also I think it's hilarious that I like 
have lived in Denver essentially my entire life. And I still, like, no baristas know me at any coffee shop. Like, I'm basically an out-of-towner. And then you show up for two days and you, like, get a job at a car shop and you know all the guys, your homies with them, and you're like, yeah, I made a bunch of friends today. I got a job delivering car parts. I've been here for, like, a day and a half. (laughs) Dude, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. It was definitely sick and I'm grateful for it, but I don't really want this job. Yeah. I don't know how to tell him. <laughs> you just accidentally got forced into a job. <laughs> yeah. Man. So and that's why I'm here. Yeah. And now you're my accidental roommate mm-hmm. and we fingerboard and watch movies every night. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually been having kind of the best 16-year-old sleepover <laughs> vibes ever the last few days. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been good. That's what October's for. October's for sleepovers and movies. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Dude, October's the best month of the year. Agree or disagree? Oh, I well, I disagree, actually. I think um, the second half of September and the first half of October is the best part of the year. I think late oh. October, except for Halloween... You can rope Halloween into the good part, but um, like that's like from like the twentieth till the thirty first <laughs> is just no man's land, dude. That's that's why October is the best because you start with it being amazing, and then it's this transformation until just like the cold and darkness, and it it peaks at Halloween where it's like, well, I guess it's all screwed from here. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to look at it i suppose i i hate november i just november yeah november is the worst that's yeah exactly october is the best month of the year you peak at halloween best day of the year mm. and then november's trash yeah i suppose that might be right you gotta pick a month you can't say half of Why? september that's so arbitrary i can't just say i like these days the i month. like september 15th until october 15th dude plus I'm not, october 31st i'm not well. beholden to ben franklin or whoever it is that made the rules <laughs> who did make the rules wasn't it no it wasn't the mayans god. they got a different oh yeah god made the calendar yeah i forgot yeah <laughs> and, and jesus's birthday is on december 25th every that's right. year that's right I'm glad they recorded that historical fact for us. Mm-hmm. Man, now I'm really curious about the calendar, but... Yeah, I don't know, actually. I refuse to Google anything on this podcast. Yeah, That could too. be a pretty good rule moving forward. If we don't know something, we're not allowed to Google it on the podcast. Yeah, there's no way that could be problematic. <laughs> we'll just sound like idiots when we don't know something. Okay, as long as we remind people that's the rule every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I'm up for it. Yeah. Also, just a quick sidebar. Mm, I'd like mm-hmm. to point out that both you and I, our jobs are media production. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're recording audio on our phones <laughs> oh. in your house, which houses all of your film equipment. <laughs> and... um my camera's on a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to get a a camera peek of that at the end of the show, yeah. of the setup. So I don't know what the point there is other than... I think the point there is... I was going to say we, but I'm kind of a hack. 
I feel like you have got gear figured out a little better than me, but maybe not. <laughs> no, I think we both skimp on the essentials. Yeah. My tripod game is weak right now, too. Actually, I just lost my tripod, the one, the one you have. Well, I got the the DJI wireless mics, and I can't tell if it's my lack of knowledge or if they just suck, but I haven't been super stoked on them. And I've been recording YouTube videos lately just using my phone like this. And other than pops, it's pretty good. Mm. I've been pretty stoked on it as a solution. Yeah. But maybe eventually we'll get our shit together and make this an actual podcast with good audio. But for now, iPhone voice memos. All right. Well, I'm not complaining <laughs> because this is just what I'm used to at we, this point. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. Yeah. And that Well, that I guess the point is that's justifying the podcast name, which is Friends with Benedict's <laughs> Origins. Oh, <laughs> Origins. I like it. Yeah. This is this is the prequel mm-hmm. to the real podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What's in your notes, guy? Dude, I got all kinds of notes. But there is this app sweeping the nation. That's a bit controversial in this household. And I got mixed feelings on it. And by the time we edit this, it'll probably be dead because I don't see it lasting that long. But it's an app called Be Real. Mm, give me your elevator pitch as to why you like it. Because I know you kind of are a Be Real stan. I'm, I have a very tumultuous relationship with Be Real. Reasons why I like it. I've never been a selfie guy. I like never think to just take pictures of myself. So I like that part of it where it's just like, hey, idiot, take a picture of yourself. And then it creates this little calendar backlog. And that's my favorite part for sure is especially because it's completely private. No one else can go back and look at your calendar backlog. You just have this calendar that shows you the selfie you took every day or whatever day of the month and where you were and what you were doing at that moment. That's what I like about it. And I got thoughts about what I don't like about it, but I feel like you should start on. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I hate this app. And the fact that they call it Be Real is like insult to injury. Because let me tell you a story that happened two days ago when Jake and I were at a coffee shop right before my car broke down. We're just chilling. We're talking about this. Exactly. We're talking about making this podcast episode. And we were coming up with ideas. And you were writing your notes down. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, we get derailed. Because somebody gets a notification on their phone that they have to not only take a selfie in public, but they also have to take a picture of me. <laughs> Which is just the least real thing to ever happen to me in the middle of a conversation. It's like, oh, hold that thought. Snap. Hold on. We got to be authentic really quick. Capture our real selves. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so then, and like, you know, that's one thing. Okay. It's like, you know, some people, some people like taking pictures. Some people like taking pictures in the middle of a goddamn conversation. <laughs> uh, sure, I could, I could, I can believe that. What I can't believe is the fact that on the other side of that photograph, 
there's no more conversation. We are completely now in the be real sphere. And you can't escape. That's all you can talk about. It's like, oh, wait, I just got to take my be real. And then you take it. You're like, the other day, I took this one. And it's so funny. And look at what this guy's doing. And it just like fully erases the real moment. It's like no other app has been better at just at just nuking your real life Man. at just random intervals. <laughs> It is a really good point because like, okay, I'm usually adamant about not letting my phone distract me during conversations when I'm with when I'm with people in physical form. I feel like I'm actually really good at that. But we were having this really good conversation and like ideas were sparking about the podcast. But when I saw that be real notification, it, for me, it was just like, Oh, this is hilarious because I already know how Schaefer feels about Be Real. <laughs> and I know that he already had this dramatic exit from Be Real where his last Be Real was basically like <laughs> this long, heartfelt goodbye to the three followers <laughs> that we have on Be Real. And so I basically knew that I had to take it because it was basically just for Alex Simpson and to remind the people that you're still out there. But. Yeah, the point is, I I did it jokingly, but then by the time we took the B-reel, I, I had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> I lost all of the good ideas that were on my head. Dude, but. somehow they, like, managed to make that notification, like, the exception to everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, you were saying really, like, really good about not letting your phone distract you with B-reel. It's like, yeah. well, it's B-reel, and you know it's real. Yeah, because they create that urgency that's like, you have two minutes, and... And if for in my head, it's like, well, if I don't do it on time, why would I bother doing it late? It's lame to have a late be real. So yeah, that stupid urgency they create is like, it's now or never, I got to do it. And then that's not even to mention the fact that it doesn't even work. Like the app is horrible. You'll get the notification yeah. and you'll open it and it'll say, <laughs> you're three hours late. Yeah. What the heck? They've essentially created the perfect app for overwhelming and crashing servers. Yeah. Like, let's create an app that requires every single user on Earth to use it at the exact same time so that we overwhelm our servers. And not only that, every single user on Earth is uploading a photo at the exact same time. Yeah, it's absolute lunacy, <laughs> ludicrousy. But the, uh, it's like, I also don't wonder, like, what a simple problem to solve. Just spread them out. Give different people different times to post their stupid oh, yeah. thing. But also just don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I'm I'm pretty on board with your problems with it. Like if I actually just want a selfie of myself every day and backlogged, I could just do that myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here's the other thing is I think we're all like I don't know, our generation. Dude. <laughs> we're just kind of stupid. Oh, here we go. You just put like you just put the word real or organic in front of something and we're yeah. like, "All right, I'll do it." <laughs> Moving forward, how long do you think Be Real will last? Because currently, they obviously aren't making money anyway. There's no paid features. There's no ads. There's nothing. So Dude, they're I'm obviously just funded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got your super thanks on Be Real set up? Yeah. Well, actually, right before my dramatic exit from the platform, mm. when I got deplatformed yeah. from Be Real, I was trying to do something fun on it, 
and it didn't work because I was trying to do I was trying to do a murder mystery. I was trying to do a be real Ooh. murder mystery. So what I I would get I don't know if you saw any of these, but I would get the notification, so. and then I would take a picture of whoever I was with, and then in the comments. I would write how I was a detective trying to solve a murder and all the people I was with were like characters in this murder mystery. <laughs> and the comments took me forever. Like I would post the thing, but then my every single one would be real because my co- or would be late because I would just be like typing out this story. Mm. But then no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> and no one was following along and I was putting so much work into it. I think that's why I got really jaded. Yeah, didn't you have like three friends on Be Real at that point? Yeah, no one wanted to know what <laughs> no happened next. <laughs> That's because everyone was taking their own be real and then seeing who commented and liked on their own be real. Okay, so, so that's, I think, my point. It's just like no matter what you do on it, yeah, no one really cares. Because yeah. I think you're right. I think the big benefit of it is like the calendar backlog. I think that's what most people care about. Yeah. And also just like this fake assumption that anyone gives a shit about what you're doing, <laughs> which is not true. No one, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And also... Like the one redeeming factor I've liked about it is that the personal aspect of basically every other social media platform is gone because everyone's just trying to make and monetize content. Mm. So like Instagram, TikTok, like everyone's just making content, even if they're just a person, you know, whereas Be Real, it's like, okay, at least this is just a photo of my friend in their life. They're not trying to like use that, use a sound that everyone is using on TikTok and make a joke yeah. about it. Like at least it doesn't have that facade. Yeah. So that's, that's redeeming. Point. That's a fair point. But it's still not as good of a solution as just like texting your best friend a photo and be like, look where I'm at. This is sick. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, all right, let me put it this way. Okay. Hit me. This is pretty presumptuous to say on a podcast with no established viewership whatsoever. <laughs> but if I get a hundred requests on Be Real, I'll bring the murder mystery back. Oh man, dude, I like I don't want to go all calling in Samir on you, but I feel like I, someone's gonna do something like that, yeah. and I feel like it needs to be you because someone is gonna figure out how to make Be Real interesting. And blow up on it, yeah, I know, and become right. a bajillionaire. I know you're right. Well, tick, uh, TikTok kind of has the thing now, though. I've never used it, but they have like TikTok now. Have you seen oh, that? Oh yeah. I don't know what that's about. God, it's just yeah. It's a continuation of ev- Well, it's the Instagram effect yeah. where now everyone's just copying everyone else's features and not staying themselves. Yeah. And you're re- that's really a shame because you're supposed to be real. <laughs> that's what it's all about yeah that's why tiktok now is gonna fail because it doesn't have the word authentic real or genuine in it that's true so anyway that's be real rest in peace (laughs) i hate it (laughs) unless i get enough attention that i love it yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's also gonna be another theme on this podcast is maybe like my brain is broken or something, but a lot of times I just need time to buffer because mm. I can't, I can't multitask. Mm. I'm trying to think of what's next after be real, but I can't stay focused on what we're actually talking about. So my mind will just freeze up and I'll stare into the void for a couple seconds. I don't know if that's true. I think maybe it's more just like we have such good things to say about things 
that we really reached the end of <laughs> of a topic. Like I think we just said everything you could possibly say about be real. And yeah. then you also gotta have a moment afterwards to just be like, we did it. Mm. That was yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we did it. God damn it, we did it. Guess that means it's time for the notebook again. The notes are back. I'm gonna need a better way to look at this thing. That's a really good transition out of um Whoa, no, whoa. You gotta keep that open. I was gonna say it's a good way to transition between topics. It's just like well, let's yeah. see what the notes have let's to say. Let's return to the notes. <laughs> well, in this case, it would have been a great uh transition if I would have had my notes open and looking at them. Because speaking of being real and genuine and authentic, what do you think about YouTube and like we were talking about this the other day about you seem to see this transition of you fall in love with a YouTuber in in their early phases when it just feels so raw and they're figuring things out. And then inevitably with a lot of people it seems like then they get established and they get a professional set and a studio and editors and employees. And it kind of takes away a lot of that genuine, real authenticity. Oh, man. This is going to make it sound like I'm backtracking on everything I just said about <laughs> Be Real. Cause, really? Well, I don't know. Maybe because I just think it's pretty much written into the format of the platform is like, you can't. You can always go watch Netflix, and you can always go watch Hulu, and you can go watch big budget stuff where people have all the resources in the world to tell a story. But with YouTube, it's just like really, really, <laughs> really super duper <laughs> mega <laughs> interesting. <laughs> no, what makes it fun is it's just like normal ass people. Like totally. that's why it's so engaging and so captivating. It's like it's like I can watch a YouTube video and be like, here's another human having the same weird experience I am that like has all the same sort of like puzzle pieces I do, but theirs fit together totally different. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. But then you put like a studio and money and employees and everything into it and you're just like, I didn't come here for this. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think that contradicts anything you're saying about be real cuz I think your biggest gripes with be real are just it like legitimately derails real life when you're distracted by it and trying to do it. YouTube, like you choose when you want to watch YouTube as a viewer. So where, where be real kind of distracts you and pulls you out of your life, you're choosing when you watch YouTube and it's, it's an entertainment form. So I don't think that contradicts what you're saying about, about be real, but yeah, like it's, it's such a struggle for me, I think for both of us, where like, since we like filmmaking and cinematography, there's such a desire to make stuff look amazing. And like, I would love to make, you know, a narrative film at some point. So I I like practicing that. But then conversely, I'm also just obsessed with, I will, like, I will watch the most raw unproduced stuff on youtube and that's usually my favorite Mm -hmm. and so it's such a difficult balance of like it's it's weird to say but it's like difficult to keep youtube genuine because it almost feels like the more you do it the more you learn how to be produced Mm. and then you lose what makes youtube special Mm, i 
I agree, but I also just kind of think that production and high production value isn't necessarily the problem. Mm. I think the problem is just that the the production value that people, for whatever reason, have sort of chosen to indulge themselves with is very unrelatable and weird and doesn't feel natural. So a mm. really good example of that is we always make fun of YouTubers' neon signs in the background of their talking head videos and like... I watch movies like like Nomadland is a really great example of something that's like obviously it's produced and it looks beautiful, but mm. it doesn't feel like it's not real oh, life. That's a great example. Yeah. But if Nomadland had a fucking studio desk with a neon sign in the background <laughs> and she's like, what's up, guys? Today I got, I'm in the van and I think I'm going to go apply for some jobs. So I don't know. Let's see what happens. I ran yeah. into some crazy characters today. Yeah. But I'll tell you about that. At the end of the movie. <laughs> like, that's the thing that's just mm. like, what am I watching? This makes no sense. This isn't real life. And so, I don't know. I think, I think like you and I are starting to try, or, 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 you know, at our best, sometimes we find these things where the production value feels high and the moment is beautiful and it's captured in a really special way, but it doesn't feel inauthentic. It feels like what's really actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not as much the production value, like you're saying, as much as it is some of these common YouTube trends. Like for you, it's the neon sign. For me, ironically, as we're talking to our phones on this podcast, for me, it's the trend of holding a giant studio mic or having a big boom arm directly in front of your mouth for a talking head bit. I don't know why that just that just bothers me mm. like stuff like that that yeah rats that <laughs> <laughs> that just makes you reminded that you're watching a youtuber trying to make something i don't i don't know where i'm going with this but it just yeah it just throws me off yeah, I don't no, have a I good reason that. for it. <laughs> no, I understand that. Well, again, it's like if Nomadland had a big boom mic in the shot. <laughs> and, you know, Nomadland isn't my favorite movie, but it is a good example because it does feel like real life. Yeah. And I think YouTube has an opportunity that I don't think is being explored quite as well as it could be to be a, maybe even a little more narrative and a little more scripted, but in a way that's like a, like slightly more elegant and less like I'm just watching like some dude talk about a phone screen that has 120 hertz. Yeah. Like that's what I jump to with everything. No matter what the topic of the video is, I see the neon sign and the boom mic and I go, <laughs> this guy's about to talk about 120 hertz displays. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't got the answers, but. I do. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. And. and I say all this stuff knowing that like I have made and will continue to make these exact mistakes because YouTube is just so hard. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything more difficult in my life than trying to run and maintain a YouTube channel because there's so many things like that that just like as your audience changes, it changes how you think about your videos and, and it changes how you make them even though you just want to keep making what you want to make and then you start seeing what everyone else is doing and wonder if that's what you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And 
it's just hard, man. It is hard, and there's a whole nother like level to it. Like if you're talking about traditional movies and media and all that sort of thing, it's like those are the product. You know what I mean? Like when you watch a movie, the movie is the product. But on YouTube, that's not sustainable. The video mm. can't be the product always. Like on the channel, some of the videos have to sell a product too mm. in order for you to keep doing it. Yeah. And so that adds a whole nother layer and a dynamic that is not helped by the fact that a YouTube channel is such a personal thing. Mm. So you're balancing like one of the most personal things that you have, like this creative expression, and then you got to sell a Squarespace ad <laughs> in the middle of it. And that's a difficult thing to do elegantly. Yeah. Man, seriously, because I have wrestled with in the beginning being like, oh, okay, then like anything I advertise on my channel should only be something I actually use and love and care about so I can give it this authentic, heartfelt ad read. And now I think I'm switching to the other side of, no, I'd much rather do it like these podcast ad reads you hear where it's just a, a hard cut and it's like, this is brought to you by this, blah, blah, blah. And there's no like emotion or personal investment. In it. It's just an ad read. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm completely switching to where now I'd much rather just hear an ad read and not hear the YouTuber be like, I genuinely love this and use this and believe in it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm always going to stay in that stance, but that's how I feel currently. I think there's a lot that can justify that, especially when you look at just like, you know, like public broadcast, if you're watching Sesame Street when you're younger, there's always a commercial break yeah, that wants exactly. to sell you Fruit Loops. I want it to feel like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is like, if the, if that's even the structure for, I mean, like Sesame Street, which is one of the best movies ever created by humans. Yeah. If they're still selling Fruit Loops on Sesame Street, like, yeah, you can sell Fruit Loops on your channel. Yeah. Like, it's definitely like a structure that's not like brand new. But the difference is like on YouTube, it, it is the same video like it's not a commercial break that mm. some other party is inserting it's like for some reason just with this sort of format like you as the creator of the video are responsible for producing a whole commercial in the middle of your show yeah which is really weird yeah that is true it is weird and some people have done a good job at separating themselves from it mm. like like, remember when Mango Street used to do their ad breaks? Did you ever watch them? No, explain them. They basically felt like an ad break because they would have a, a hard cut in their video that said, like, excuse us while we pay some bills. And then they had literally, like, a commercial. Like, for their Squarespace ad, it was them getting married to Squarespace on, like, an ocean cliff or something. And then it ended, and it cut back to the video. And it mm. felt... It felt so good and separated where it was still them but it was so obviously just not a part of the video yeah and then it went back to the video and it was awesome yeah that's that's sweet and it's also just from a brand's perspective it's a pretty sweet deal when they're like i don't know like we don't have an ad to give you to put in the middle could you just make the whole thing yeah make it make sense <laughs> within the context of yeah. your content totally and then make it good so it sells and if it doesn't sell then we're probably not going to work with you again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not even that. Can you make an ad that is like very – like you know your audience better than anybody? Can you make one that you know your audience will like? Man, yeah, seriously. And can you – yeah. Can you basically put your own reputation on the line and worry about not 
bumming out your audience because you advertised something. Yeah. What, what's I, on my channel, I, I've, I haven't gotten to the point of doing like this stuff yet, really. But for you, mm-hmm. what's your biggest um, sponsored video success story? Ooh. And what's your biggest sponsor video failure? Yeah. I'll start with the biggest failure okay. so I can end on a more fun note. Yeah. Biggest sponsored video regret was just having a sponsored product review because this company sent me new products that they were launching and paid me to make video about them, review them essentially. And this, <laughs> this unnamed brand's camera clip had a very poor design to where if you forgot to flip a lock switch on it, it would just drop your camera off a cliff. <laughs> so I was paid to review this camera clip that caused me to drop my camera off a cliff, break my Canon L series 24 to 105 lens to bits. Thankfully, my Canon 80D was fine, but the lens, which was worth more money, was not fine. Was it worth more money than what they were paying you to say good yeah, things about absolutely. the stupid clip? Because oh. that was that was probably one of my first, if not the first, sponsored videos I ever did. And so, yeah, at that point, it was just like, this sucks. This is not worth it. I'm not getting paid enough to even replace my lens. So I never replaced that lens. And... Yeah, it just like, I mean, it was a messy learning process for sure. Cause I still fumbled through it and made the video and like, you know, tried to say what I liked about the things. But it just ended up not feeling good because it was like, I can't fully be honest because this is a paid sponsored video. So yeah, it was an error on my part, but it, on my part, but it was a lesson learned to not take money to make a video about a product interesting like a like a review that's interesting because i think that's a really big genre of sponsored videos within our sort of sphere so do you think you would never do that again well i think i think jesse driftwood is an awesome example of doing it right because he'll he tends take, to be that. Yeah, he tends to be basically just the North Star for yeah, all of that's us. That's so true. <laughs> Cause he will take for like he'll take a camera and do the sponsored video of it and just like he says it so clearly, this is a sponsored video. I'm just gonna tell you about the features of it, blah, blah, blah. Goes through, tells you the features, tells you kind of the main advertising points that the company wants you to know. And then later, like months down the road, after he's used the thing for a while, he'll just do an unsponsored, on his own thoughts on the product. And then he tells you the good and the bad after he's used it for an extended period. Because that's the other problem is they send it to you, you use it for a week or two, and then you have to make a video. So he's doing it right. What a generous thing to do. It would be so easy to just be done with it. Mm -hmm. But instead coming back and being like... Yeah, totally. So yeah, that's the right way to do it for sure. And... Maybe I'll do that in the future, but mostly I just don't. I hate gear reviews, doing them myself. So I'll probably never do one again. (laughs) Yeah. What if for ad stuff, you just hired another guy? 
you have like some random like second character, a real charismatic <laughs> yeah. dude, and then slowly over time, and his name is Braxton, and slowly over time, Braxton becomes more a character than you, and then your ter- channel just turns into Braxton's channel, and then Whoa. Braxton only does ad reads and blows up. <laughs> That would be amazing. Ever thought of that? That would be best case scenario. You could just retire and let Braxton read ads and that's <laughs> yeah. all your channel is. That sounds great. I'll take that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Man. the other option. Braxton, if you're out there, hit me up. Where are you, Braxton? <laughs> all right. What's your biggest ad success story? Don't say Braxton. That's a given. <laughs> Besides He's doing Braxton, so well. I guess I could say the brand name when it's success. I won't say the brand name of the failure. But I think the biggest success has been both of my music bed integrations because this, this completely contradicts what I said earlier about wanting a, an ad break. Because in this case, <laughs> damn it, this is so contradictory and opposite of what I just said. But it's just, it's something that I use and genuinely it is like something that I would tell people about completely unpaid. Music bed is my favorite. Yeah. It's one of the best things God. I spend money on. Case in point right now, we're just giving them a free ad read right now because it's something we genuinely love and use so much that we're just talking about it unpaid. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Sorry. So yeah. So it was easy to make a video because it was like, I need music in every video I make. I love using music bed. So how easy is it to just make a video like normal and then just kind of like incorporate music bed into it. And there's still a brief break point where I talk about their service, but mm. yeah, that's the big win. I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen both of these videos, you have to watch them because <laughs> they're just so good. They're so, and maybe the difference there is just like, it really comes through when someone actually cares about something. And like, mm. I don't know, maybe if you really do care about something, there's no shame in like doing a big sponsor, big ad sort of thing. Cause it's yeah. like, I don't know, like if I, if, if music bed wanted me to make something, I put my heart and soul into it because they've changed. I mean, their service has changed my life. Yeah. It, Cause, because all of a sudden you have access to like music that isn't absolute, just total, <laughs> absolute, complete yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Peter McKinnon. Those are the worst songs. Yeah. Man, there's some bad royalty-free music out there. And and that's why they're so good, because they're taking the difficult route. Like, they're doing it really hard. And instead of just having royalty-free music, they're actually paying artists. So it's hard for them. They're trying to find this balance of how do we pay the artist and also give the video maker like you know a reasonably priced music so yeah it's cool that their approach is we don't want to screw musicians so that we can help video makers they're like we want to support musicians and support video makers yeah and yep <laughs> we did it <laughs> we did <laughs> we did a 5 minute um ad for music bed we've done it i'm not even mad dude i I love it so much i know (sighs) i could go on and on about it speaking of god forget watching my my music bed videos schaefer just got nominated for a freaking music bed award and now i'd like to bring up my beef with music bed (laughs) 
<laughs> oh no. Okay. Yeah. Good. Let's bring them down a little bit. Okay. Let me, let me first. Let me first just set it up and say, this video that got nominated for a Music Bed Award might be my favorite video on YouTube. Oh, thanks, ever. Man. It's called "Don't Take Plane Serious." Or <laughs> <laughs> it's called no. That's wrong. <laughs> it's called. I take plane very seriously, close. and you should too. Yeah, that's close. What's it called? It's just called Take Playing Seriously. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Don't, take <laughs> don't, don't play, only work. Well, thanks. I'm glad you like it. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, when you like one of my videos, I'm always like, I always like it more. Because, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> glad to hear it. <laughs> but, so, but I have beef. Yeah, let's hit him with the beef. So I don't have beef with the fact that they chose my video. I, mm. I mean, it's a huge compliment. Like the other videos that got chosen for it, well, so first off, it's it, I got nominated for the end of year sort of like Music Bed Awards Film Festival. So it's not like my video won anything, but it did get chosen to go like on to whatever that is. So it's really really cool because it was in a pile of really great videos. Like there was a Nike ad that was also nominated. So it's like the caliber of work that I was like put alongside did not feel natural. Like it definitely felt like a huge, huge, huge compliment. So Mm. I'm really stoked on that. But in all of the advertising for this music bed awards thing, they have all of this, like literally if you look every single like ad or whatever, like copy they have says um, like, Get seen by millions. Seen by millions. Yeah. yeah. And like the whole, like, uh, the whole industry, like all this sort of thing. They use all of these like hyper. The um, exposure you'll get will be out of control. Yeah. It's insane. Just like yeah. the way it's sort of written is, I mean, it's just so over the top. Get like this, the get seen by millions thing is especially because even if everybody that's ever used Musicbed in the history of time watched your video, I don't think it would be millions. Yeah. Which I hate to say. It's just, <laughs> it's really hard to manufacture that. So, anyway, another beef I have with it. So, that's, I mean, in my opinion, that's just kind of false advertising. And obviously, you're not selling anything, but you can't say that. And then in my analytics, once I got chosen, I got 40 views, <laughs> which last yeah. I checked is a far cry from a million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, and and I'm so curious wh- why they said that. Like, if they actually expected them posting to Instagram that people just flock to these films, or if they're hoping to build momentum where this becomes a legitimate film festival, in which case maybe thousands of people will see it if it was at, like, a big film festival level. Yeah, exactly. I just don't know where that number. It's pretty wor- poor copper copywriting. Basically. Right. And I, you know, I have grace for it. Like it's, yeah. it's super cool. They're doing this in the first place. And I definitely don't want to be the guy to like shut it down or, yeah. or have anything yeah, yeah. super bad to say about it. So whatever, poor copywriting. That's one thing. But then the other thing that is that when they shared all the videos, they posted stories and they had like a link to the video in each of the stories and so they posted mine, put the link in it, and then I shared it on my thing, right? Mm. They put the wrong link <laughs> no to the wrong way. video in my shared video. No and so way. of those, you know, like I said, I got 40 views out of the deal. I probably would have gotten more, but a bunch of them went to some other video. Oh, my God. 
So that, and so then, but then it's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, you haven't posted Instagram for forever, but sometimes yeah. you'll post an Instagram story and I don't know if it hits like an algorithm or something, but sometimes I'll post a story and it'll get way more views than I have followers just oh. really randomly. Whoa. So that was happening when I shared the first time they posted it. I, like I, like I have like 2000 something followers. It had like 3000 views. The story did. Hmm. Then, um, and this isn't this isn't music bed attention. This has happened to me before, where sometimes like you'll post. I think it's like if a bunch of people like it, like it gets pushed up, and I don't know, it doesn't matter. Mm. But so anyway, then I had to take it down because the link was wrong. They reposted it with the right link, and I shared that one, and that one got like two hundred views. Oh yeah. So they just screwed me so bad yeah. on accident. <laughs> But it's also like, all right, I'm not getting seen by millions in the first place. I'm getting yeah. seen by max 250. <laughs> and that got cut in half to 40 because I couldn't put the link on my story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I don't know. Like, obviously, it sounds like they're really early in this music bed awards yeah. thing because I love music bed. I'm an ambassador for music bed. I follow music bed everywhere. And I had no idea what it was or even was a thing until I saw your story, which again, it makes sense because they're just getting it started. And obviously user shares is how word would spread. But yeah, yeah um, hopefully it turns into something cool because currently like I don't, yeah, I don't, I just don't understand how the films would kind of get viewed and how it would feel like this award film fest thing yeah i think i think they're basically trying to create their own version of the vimeo staff picks thing because even though oh, i know yeah. on i know for you you're not a big vimeo guy but used to be yeah vimeo yeah. is still vimeo is still very much alive and kicking it's not it's not like something you go to to watch yeah videos it's more of just like you know you upload it to share with clients you can make edits on it it's like very much like an industry sharing platform now than anything mm -hmm. but there are still the vimeo staff picks which still if you get a vimeo staff pick like it's a big deal you have way better chance of getting into bigger film festivals yeah you have i, I mean literally it is what music bed kind of you know you don't still with vimeo you don't get millions mm. of views or anything but you do get exposed to like the proper greater industry and a vimeo staff pick still is a highly illustrious thing to receive yeah and i think they're trying to create their own version of that which i mm. have i think is a really good idea because i think they're positioned well within the industry to like their opinion should matter yeah and so i think they're building that but you can't come out the gate saying you're getting exposed to millions of <laughs> yeah. people and then put the wrong link in the story. That's not a great start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point cuz Vimeo staff picks for me is something where it's just like when I'm getting sick of my algorithm where it's just giving me the same stuff over and over and I'm like, "Man, I just need something different. Like I need something to switch it up for me. I'll go to something like, all right, maybe I'll check out a Vimeo staff pick or whatever mm. like that's so nice having places like that that are this curated list of inspiring things that aren't just algorithmically fed to you yeah so yeah i mean that's a sick point i would love to have that basically in the toolbox of like man i need to be inspired let me go see what the music bed picks are yeah exactly and while we're talking about things we like like Whoever these people are at Vimeo who are finding these videos on their platform are just like wizards because mm. I've never seen a Vimeo staff pick and it hasn't at least 
made me think differently about something. Like they're so good at what they do. It's absurd. And then the yeah. other people who are really good at that is it's a website called Director's Library. And they're a very similar sort of deal. Like they are just super plugged in on really talented filmmakers. Mm. And they just share all genres. Like they'll share movies, they'll share, they'll share commercials, um, just like YouTube videos. They share all this stuff and they're all so good. And those people are doing the Lord's work. Because <laughs> yeah. they are, like you're saying, they're like really going outside of an algorithmic um, sort of technique of finding quality. Yeah. And they're saying like, this is something that's actually going to affect you or change you. And yeah. um, that's cool. Man, that's so cool. And it's such a, like, it's such a reminder for me that especially in today's society, <laughs> in today's society, I can't say that without saying it like that, but you have to be like, you have to so choose to how do I say this? You have to choose to watch meaningful things or things that'll inspire you. Cause like algorithms are, are going to want to re recommend things to you that have mass appeal and have been liked a lot and are sensational or, or, or whatever. I mean, algorithms follow mass audience behavior but when you want to find something inspiring and unique, you don't want what the masses are clicking on. You want Absolutely. like, yeah, you want just something out there, which is why like every single time I get a recommendation from you, it's just like, yes, I know this is going to be something that's just like, like different and just stokes me. Like, man, like if there was a, a Schaefer's picks, I would go to that website every single day because you just should do that. Dude, you That'd should. Yeah. Like, at, like even as a video segment, I've thought that could be a sick like mm. video to just be like weekly inspiration or monthly or whatever. Ooh. Like where, for example, Schaefer just showed me the Gene Dawson music video, Sick of It. And it just like lit my soul on fire because it was so refreshing like so many creative beautiful unique visuals that 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 was sick but yeah like a video just being like this inspired me this was cool and then talk about why you liked it could that be would cool. be cool i do like i do kind of feel like like a kid in a 70s record store it's like i buy mm -hmm. everything and i know and like my my taste has become really diverse and i think that also kind of you know I'm the one making the videos, so I'm not going to say anything about them really other than the fact that I do think they're a little bit different than what is sort of like yeah, out there right now. Absolutely. And I think that's a byproduct of the fact that I just consume so much weird mm -hmm. outside outside the norm things. And it goes – and that's not like some sort of exclusive superpower I have. Like everyone has access to it, but you do have to make the commitment to say like I know that this is not – a million view video. I know that this is not going to teach me how to go viral. Yeah. But this is going to teach me how to make something that's at least a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Which to me, like you can, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. It's like the traditional value of a YouTube video is numerical. It's like how many views or likes does it have? How many comments does it have? But that's not the only way to rate a video's quality. Yeah. And in YouTube, it's not super profitable to rate it any other way. <laughs> yeah. But 
it sure does do good for the soul yeah. when you make something that you are just truly proud of making. Man, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. All that like the majority of these things you send me that I'm just like, I have no idea how you found that. And it just lights me on fire because it's so cool. Most often, they'll be somewhere in like the 10K to 40K view range. Yeah. Which is, it's big, but it's not, it's not like the viral YouTube videos. Yeah. And yeah, there's something to be said, something to be said there where it takes work, I think, like, I don't know if, if, to you, it feels like it comes natural, but to me, it's like, no, I gotta, I gotta remind myself. I can't just stay on my YouTube homepage. I can't just scroll TikTok and take what's fed to me. I have to like seek out mm. the more inspiring stuff. Well, over time, I've just, I have enough places to look mm. that I go consistently that it's not hard anymore. But yeah, it used to be like, like, what do you even type into Google to find like eclectic small yeah. videos? It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of become just like, a lot of it honestly came from uh, watching old 90s snowboard movies and then mm. seeing where those guys wound up, like where oh, those cool. filmmakers wound up. Because yeah. a lot of them either wound up in the commercial world or they wound up doing, you know, like ads or they wound up doing uh, branded content and stuff. And the snowboard world somehow cultivates like these really sort of outside the box people in general. Like you kind of have to be a little bit crazy to spend your life making yeah. snowboard movies. Yeah. That won't be profitable whatsoever. Yeah. So that was the, or that's definitely the origin of most things I find is mm. people who have been in either snowboarding or skateboarding who found out they're not going to be able to make a living doing that. So it's like yeah. skateboarding. Like when you film skateboarding, your mission is to just film something that looks so sick. Yeah. Like that's kind of <laughs> it. That's your only real goal. Uh -huh. So what happens when you take those people and you say, okay, skateboarding is not going to make you money. They go, well, I want to film something that looks so sick, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not skateboarding. So it kind of turns into these like really interesting ideas. Cause yeah. that's all they know. Yeah. <laughs> God bless their souls. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And that is probably exactly why you and I have, so much of a problem just filming a video with a roll yeah. and not including as many visuals as possible to like make it look cool and illustrate the point and mm -hmm. all that. That's a whole nother topic. Just about how many filmmakers started in skateboarding is ridiculous. It's actually crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's real crazy. Yeah. And Wow, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally not gonna say that. Okay. So, well, how about? Because I'm curious. You said you have a few, uh, like you know places to go. Sounds like like Vimeo staff picks mm -hmm. is one. Yeah. Do you have any other? Any just like? Because I want to know good places to yeah, go. Yeah. Well, stuff. Vimeo staff picks is is the easiest, best, and I mean that will inspire you so much. Mm. Um, director's library is by far my second favorite. Oh, cool. Um, and a lot of times there's overlap. Like I think, I think there might be some of the same people in the Vimeo staff pick world as the director's library world. So there's a lot of overlap there. Um, and then another one, another good thing to do is to find um, maybe an old YouTube video that you really liked. And then, so uh, a really good example of this is I was super into, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. 
No. Oh, okay. So you have to watch Don't Hug Me Up okay. first off. But so it's this old YouTube video that went hyper viral where it was like a, ch- a children's show that kind of turns into like a horror thing. Oh. It's really good. Well, so they, they, um, they just came out with a whole TV series, which by the way is absolutely incredible. It's a masterpiece. Oh, wow. It's so good. Um, but so then that led me to look up the studio that produced it, which is Blink Industries. And so now I've been on a Blink Industries kick. Oh, wow. Where I'm like looking at what this studio is doing. So like maybe like find something that you really, really like and then find what they're connected to. Like I think a lot of people have found me because they like Jake Frew and they like sort of mm. find what you interact with and then that sort of points to me sometimes. I think that's been a lot of where I've huh. gotten stuff from. So find something you like, maybe even something that's like bigger or more viral or more mass, um, um, like, like uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> something big. Yeah, and then narrow it down and figure out what those people like. Yeah. Um, hmm. Julian wow. Smith is another really good example. Like... Um, Julian Smith was huge back in OG YouTube days. And then yeah. like I went on a whole bender trying to figure out what he's been up to, which introduced me to a bunch of filmmakers I'd never heard of before. Man. Um, so that's a good one. Um, yeah. Old snowboard movies are like, find out who filmed things you like and find out what they're filming yeah. now. Danny Boyle, who made 127 hours and, oh, um, yeah. and a uh, slumdog millionaire. Everything he's ever made is good. Man. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Tracking that's, down the people instead of the content, yeah, I think, is a good way to do it. That's such a good tip and something I'm so bad at. Like, yeah. I never know who directors are yeah. of mo- like big movies. I just have no clue. And Yeah. yeah well, as that. far as media discovery goes now, it's counterproductive because, or it's counterintuitive because with TikTok, you mm-hmm. never look up the person who made yeah, the TikTok. Seriously. Most of the, you never know their name. Yeah. And so it feels like really weird now. It didn't yeah. used to feel weird, but. Yeah. But man, that's such a good, that's a really good tip. I feel like we need show notes to like yeah. <laughs> list resources and videos that we've talked about. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> not in Origins. <laughs> not Definitely not in the Origins episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. The future of this podcast holds or what it's about or where we're going. Me neither. But I'm having a good time doing it. Man, me too. <laughs> I am too. Do you have any further like burning hot takes or things weighing you down? I just hope this gets uploaded and I hope there mm. is enough incentive to keep us going. Because every time we yeah. record, I'm like, I love Man, this. seriously. Yeah. Yeah, we got to keep doing it because, yeah, every time we do it, it's fun, it feels good, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious now because it's been so rewarding, and this is like, what, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth that we've recorded, but it doesn't even exist yet. We haven't, I know. We haven't uploaded anything. We haven't done anything. <laughs> so, oh. so, yeah, it at this point, it's unsure whether this will exist or not. So if you're out there... <laughs> And you're hearing this, just say, Good job, Jake and Shafe. You did it. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> just say that out loud to yourself right now. And wherever we are in the future, maybe we'll we'll feel that energy. Oh, that's so <laughs> I'm looking at the same moon as you. <laughs> I have one more thing I want to talk about. Oh, really okay. Quick. Hopefully this is a quick one. But yeah. 
You are currently in the middle of making a video about not being able to finish videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Or like how to... Basically, what's the title? Yeah, the title is something like like best tips to never create again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> and I think both, like you can look at both of our channels right now and see a huge upload gap. And then you can mm-hmm. look back and see huge upload gaps. Yeah. Um. In the spirit of hopefully uploading some of these podcast episodes, just like, I don't know, maybe a super quick discussion on like, why? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Yeah. (laughs) There's like, man, there's really simple, easy answers to that question. And there's really deep, like, like, uh, personal uh, I don't even know how to call it like childhood trauma reasons. Oh, like there, yeah. you know, there's so many different reasons. Mm. Uh, like, I mean, the easiest baseline one for me is just perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Like that's been a, a theme through my whole life. And, you know, some of that's tied to childhood trauma and maybe some of that's just personality. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, for me, that's probably the biggest like I, yeah. I have such a hard time making something that it's really difficult for me to post something that I know in my head could be better. Mm. And that's going to be the case with everything I ever make could be better. Yeah. And so it's so hard to just be like, it's good enough. Do it. Yeah. And But, I mean, that's a scary thing, too, though, because then it feels like when you have the upload gap, then the next thing you upload has to be exactly the banger. Yeah. The longer you're away, the more you're like, well, now it's been 100 days since I've posted, so this video better be worthy of 100 days worth of work. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you and I made 54 videos <laughs> for a brand in that gap. Yeah. Uh, it still feels like I haven't been on YouTube in a long time. This better be a banger when I return. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. We have this conversation so often because I love just like the most low effort YouTube videos. I love watching them so much, but then it's so hard to bring myself to just do the same thing Yeah. that I yeah. love watching. What would you say to this person? Because like this has been in the past, like what I've sort of like seen as an outsider, right? It's like you see someone who has the skill and the talent and the ability to tell a cohesive story. And it's not this overwhelming learning process that seems impossible. Like you've passed the threshold of the point where it's like, you know, you know how to do it. That's not Mm -hmm. the hard part. And you know that when you post whatever you make, there's enough people who have been consistently along the ride, along for the ride that you'll probably at least get 10K views, which is epic. So why wouldn't you just post all the time? You know what I mean? Like I felt that back in the day when Instagram was cool, I felt the same thing. Like there'd be people who get like 800 likes on an Instagram (laughs) post. I'd be like, man, if I got that, I'd post all the time. Yeah. So like like what would you say to the person who's like, well, you know, you have the audience. No one really cares what you upload. So why don't you just upload? Mm. I would say... (laughs) YouTube is, man, I have, 
a hundred answers I could say to that. I, I mean, okay. <laughs> like I said earlier, there's, there's easy, shallow answers and there's really deep psychological answers. And I think maybe the, the easier answer to that question is for me, weirdly, as your audience grows and you know, you'll get a larger base of views that makes it scarier for me. That for mm. sure makes it scarier. Like, like thinking back to when I was first making YouTube videos and I was like, like maybe 40 people will see this. It was just like so fun and dumb. And it was just experimental and seeing what making videos was like. Whereas now there, it, there's this self-imposed pressure of like, there's an expectation and there's a, baseline quality I've got to hit and I want to be improving on my previous videos so it's got to be better than anyone ever has any one of my videos has ever been before yeah so so there's all those pressures like it's scary when you have a bigger base mm. um because I don't yeah I don't want to like let down expectations but I think then for me the deeper answer is like for me, posting YouTube is way more of an internal battle than anything. Like, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if most YouTubers or other YouTubers just love themselves so much that they can edit footage of themselves and, and not have it weigh on them. <laughs> but I know you and I, <laughs> it is a massive internal battle to watch yourself talking on camera and not just be like, oh my God, I hate you. Fuck you. Stop saying that. You're the worst. You sound like an idiot. Like, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's this deep psychological battle because it's such a lesson in like your internal dialogue and mm. learning to not talk shit to yourself. And like, yeah. it's a really difficult lesson in self-love and yeah that's the deep answer <laughs> gosh that deep i was kind of what i was hoping you were gonna yeah get to because that deep answer can can completely flip-flop too mm -hmm. because the same way we were talking about the production studio thing where it's like after a while like the the budget gets so high it stops being relatable it's a it's a tightrope on both sides of the way that you see yourself it's like on one hand if you're so insecure about being on camera or or you or, or it's such a hard thing to get yourself mm -hmm. to do then it'll just feel uncomfortable like as a viewer you'll just feel like this is really uncomfortable yeah and then the flip side of that is then once you go into David Dobrik zone and you're like the man and like you could edit footage of yourself all day and like everything you say is like god's gift to the planet <laughs> then it's like that becomes unbearably obnoxious yeah and so then there's like this thing where it's like well i love doing this mm -hmm. i love making videos and at the way things are right now is the easiest most available person to make videos about is usually myself yeah i don't have people that don't have jobs that i can film all the time <laughs> yeah. so i love making videos i'm not going to stop making videos i'm the most attainable character mm -hmm. how do i tell this story's the story of this character authentically yeah. And make the character like relatable and easy to listen to. And then that is such a mind fuck. Dude, yes. You can't be the director because... and the actor and the editor and the producer all at once. God, seriously. And it gets so complicated because like you just said, it's a character. You're building a character. Right. Yes, you want it to be authentic and genuine. 
But no matter what, no matter how authentic and genuine you are, it has to be a character at a certain point because right. you're not actually a real human on that screen. Right. And that's such a mind fuck because you're trying to be a human, but you're and so you're trying to develop your real self in your real life and be a good person in real life. But then you get this weird self character on screen that you're also developing and trying to make yourself, but interesting. It's, it's so wild. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the weirdest thing ever. And how do you communicate to an audience that you're not doing this because you think you're the man with all the answers. Yeah. You're doing this because you love making videos and you yeah. love telling stories and it's the easiest, fastest way to do that. Yeah, totally. I don't know. <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And, and and again, the format is so sick because like when I watch your channel, it's like, man, I'd be so bummed if Schaefer just started making videos about other people only. Mm. That'd be such a bummer because then it would lose exactly what I love about YouTube, which is getting this little window into the character that I'm watching. Yeah. So it's so strange because it feels it feels so difficult to do on your own and feel not gross about making videos about yourself. Yeah. But then when you watch someone else, it's like, man, I'm so glad Schaefer makes videos with himself as the character and I get to learn about what he's thinking and what he cares about. And it's so beautiful, but it's so difficult to yeah, do. Yeah, I feel the same way about your videos because yeah. we're—I mean—we're the same person, and it's fun to know someone really personally that has the same struggle with it. Mm -hmm. Because when I watch your videos, I feel like I also have this like deeper window into it, where it's like <laughs> we've had these conversations so many times. I know how you feel about recording every shot. Yeah, <laughs> and it's almost like the most comforting thing ever to be like, man, I know both. Jake and I aren't in this because we want to be famous. Yeah. I know both of us just really, truly love doing this. And it's like a struggle to get on camera. Yeah. So when I see you do it, it's like, okay, like, like there's a reason for this. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm -hmm. you can justify this activity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I think at my healthiest, I'm able to remind myself, like, it's okay that this is a performance it's okay that this is a character but just keep that character as close to who you think you are as possible yeah and then also at my healthiest i'm reminding myself that like this is an act of generosity it's not a, a selfish act mm. like it's like it's weird and it's hard to remind myself that like people doesn't matter it doesn't matter how many but some people want to watch my videos. And so it's an act of generosity to be like, even though this is hard, like I love doing it and I want to share it mm -hmm. versus just like not doing it because it's exhausting and difficult. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the book, um, the practice by yeah. Seth Godin, I think is a really good example. Yeah. They talk about that book is really good for that. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I hear what you're saying because it's really hard. Yeah. Our lives are so hard. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Our lives are so good. And none of this is meant to sound like complaining about oh, the situations not. we're in because it's, it's such great problems to have. Um, 
and yeah, it's, it's just funny how much of a like internal growth aspect we get. Mm. Like, it's just funny that our career and our job requires so much self-work yeah like if you're not working on yourself like it's gonna it's gonna just implode oh (laughs) god that's scary (laughs) anything goes wrong your career comes down with you (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so that was that was a good way to end (laughs) dude i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and make one of my fun one of my fun things i do on the podcast yeah end all the episodes by saying i'm really grateful Oh, for something. Yeah. And I'm grateful that my car broke down and we got to hang out. Dude, same. I'm really glad you bought a ridiculously old, whoa, whoa, whoa. hard this to work on. This is about to get personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was about to be a deep cut. I'm really glad your car broke down, man. <laughs> this has been the best slumber party podcast weekend Games of skate and fingerboard weekend of my life. Oh, you mean that? Yeah. Me too, man. <laughs> uh, my car's name is Pancakes. I I was wondering. I figured that it was. Yeah. But that text at first, I was like, that has to be a typo. Oh, I, you didn't know <laughs> you that when like, I texted I got I to gotta fix Pancakes or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, pancakes is my car. He's also my son. <laughs> huh. Don't ask, dude. Don't ask, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know if we should end podcasts on what we're grateful on or just end them on ridiculous downers. Like mm. you saying, if I don't work on myself, my career will end. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning gratitude. <laughs> All right, gratitude. We could say one thing we're thankful for and one thing we hate. Yeah. I like that. All right. So I already said my gratitude thing. You already said yours. Yeah. My gratitude was also the same thing. (laughs) What do you hate? Hmm. I hate judged sports. Mm. Judged panel sports. Mm hmm. I don't hate it that much. I'm kind of... Well, you got to stick to your guns. <laughs> <laughs> I got... So, there's so, uh, I said it out loud. I was like, eh. <laughs> I don't feel that that mad about it. <laughs> I just had to test the waters. Because we were just talking about that yesterday. And I had to see how I feel I about it. I hate child sex it. trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. That's a way better thing to hate. See, I had an immediate visceral reaction. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so we got Judge Sports. I hate Vladimir Putin. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around for Friends with Benedicts. Episode, episode possibly one. Origins. Or five. Origins. Yeah. Um, check the show notes for all the good stuff we talked about. Subscribe to wherever you're listening. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to post podcasts yet. I don't either. They're just like, how do you, how do you upload I, to Spotify? I literally don't know. I literally don't know how podcasts work. I don't know 
where we upload this other than YouTube. Mm-hmm. I know this will be on YouTube. Yeah. Other than that, I hope <sighs> it's somewhere. Yeah. If you're listening to this <laughs> anywhere but YouTube, just to yourself right now, out loud, say, good job, Jake and Shave. You did it. <laughs> all right okay bye amen (laughs) i say if you don't like this music you don't be listening to it you know i'm just a dude that you know or something similar if you don't keep it real then you go somewhere but here cause you know we're only losing control just for a minute oh